Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over £50 million worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to tonight's completely live podcast uh, that we're going to be doing, which is going to be absolutely awesome. I'm super excited. I've got a brilliant guest on who's going to bring some amazing energy and some super content for you all this evening. And what's so interesting about tonight's guest is that she's had an incredible career across multiple different areas, done some amazing things. She's written two books. Both of those books are extremely successful. She is a part of the Million Dollar All-Star Club, which is um, basically that she's uh, built a business where she's paid on over a million pounds in sales every single month for a network marketing company or a social marketing company. And I think that's really, really interesting because there's so many people out there that do network marketing, social marketing, building their businesses, but don't always get the success. And they can find that frustrating at times. But we've got somebody here that has truly cracked it at the highest level. So you're going to be able to ask questions tonight on that and get to understand a little bit about it. In addition to that, you know, previous to that even, Sue's had a career in the music industry where she was nominated for a Grammy, has worked directly with Tina Turner and Michael Jackson, and many other superstars of the music industry. Uh, I think Meatloaf, Tina Turner, Michael Jackson, and many, many, many more. So we've got somebody that's had a great, great, great career, and I think you're going to love her. Uh, I've had a good chat behind the scenes before we started off today, and she's got a ton of energy. So without further ado, I'm going to bring uh, Sue in now. So how are we doing, Sue? Hi. I have to say, though, one thing I, I always have, I have a disclaimer because, you know, we talked about when, when you were just talking and you asked me, you said, I'm not a real big fan of this kind of network marketing thing and stuff. And I understand I was like that too, but only 1% of people ever actually achieve the kind of success I have. And there's reasons for that. It's like any business, it's any business, not everybody's going to be successful. And that's what I come on to you. So I want to know if you're the 1%, Let's find out what's what's got you there. You know that's going to be awesome. I can't wait to talk about. Yeah, that. but I, I have to say, and I, I then I'm, I'm keep interrupting because I'm so happy to be here. You know, it's like, you know, we're all in these little pods. We're all like stuck at home, and it's it's like it's like food when you get to like talk to somebody and you connect with somebody, especially somebody in one of my favorite countries in the world, in the UK, where I lived for eleven and a half years. So I'm missing my UK friends. You're in California and I'm missing the yes. summer. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, gorgeous. it's beautiful today. It really is. Really lovely. Awesome. Okay. So like, where do we start? There's so much to talk about tonight. We've got so much to talk about. Should we start off by having a chat about the music industry? And Sure. You know, we've got nominated for a Grammy there. You work with Tina Turner, Michael Jackson, and many more. You know, yes. um, you want to tell us about, you know, how that came around. And you're a songwriter. So you uh, you work with uh, Tina Turner on Private Dancer. Great yep. song. 
and you worked on some other massive songs. So why don't you tell us to start off there well, and hear a little bit about that first of all. It'll be awesome. Okay, so I had just moved to the UK. I was 19 years old. And I was a model in the United in the in England in London, and I got asked to go and like hand out flyers at uh, at Sandringham Racetrack. Nice. And when I was there, I met someone who was like he was a manager, and he just he like liked my energy, and he said to me, "Can you sing?" And I went, "Yes, I can sing." Well, you never say no if it's a job, right? If it's going to oh, pay your bills. He said, okay, I want you to audition. Come and audition. Pick out a song. Come and audition for me. And I went to this audition, and I sang a song, and I snapped on the offbeat, and I got the gig. And oh, the next thing I knew, I had a record contract on Decca Records, and the man who turned down the Beatles, Dick Rowe, signed me, <laughs> turned out the Beatles and he signed me. And then I ended up on Arista Records and I realized I did not want to be an artist. I was terrified. I was too young. I was really not ready. And I thought, I'm going to be a songwriter because I think this is what I want to do. So I went, I had a, a flat on the fifth floor, a walk-up flat and the piano that I bought, this chunky piano had to come up the stairs and all those steps. And I taught myself how to play piano. This was in the time of Carol King when she had tapestry. That's how old I am. And I taught myself how to play. And I started writing songs. And my first record was with Petula Clark. My very first record was Petula Clark. Then I had the New Seekers. So these were Bucks Fizz. These are old. You're too young. But these were big artists. And I I didn't know what I was doing. I always say to people, I learn how to swim as I'm drowning. And it's the truth. I dive into something. I go, "Uh uh-oh. I better figure this out. And that's what I've done my whole life. So I started my songwriting career there in London. And then I moved to uh, back to the United States, to California. And I didn't do a whole lot for a while. And then I finally went, you know, I'm going to go back to this. I really, I really need to, uh, what happened was actually it was, I was in a marriage that crumbled and I got over that. I thought I got to go to work. And funnily enough, the guy who I ended up writing on private dancer, Terry Britton, I had introduced him to his wife. He got a movie in Australia called the pirate movie. Mm. and invited me to write songs with him because he knew I needed the medicine of going back to work. And I went down to Australia and I wrote two or three songs for that movie. And one of them, two of them ended up being cut by Olivia Newton-John. And then Terry went on to write What's Love Got to Do With It and so many other amazing hits and Lifelong Friend. And he still is the woman I introduced him to. And in fact, I talked to her today, so... It's a, it's a oh, great, great. Yeah. That's amazing. how I got started. You know, that's a round circuitous way of telling you how my career began. So, you know, there's a lot of people looking for a break, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes people don't realize when a break is in front of them. They don't actually realize that there's that opportunity because they don't swim while they're drowning. You know, they, they'd rather say no. They'd rather wait for perfectionism. I suppose with my play, you know, I had a client come on to a training, and, and the question that she asked me was, you know, Adam, can you tell me what I need to do to succeed? 
And, I, and, and the first thing I said to her, in order to succeed, you know, you need to take the opportunity. You need to take action. You need to start doing things. You need to go and make, you know, start putting things in place. Mm. And, and really, I'm a massive believer in the, you know, saying yes opens the doors and saying no closes the doors, right? Like that part, that journey, if you'd said initially when that you met that guy and he said, can you sing? You're no, I'm not really. I can't really sing. I'm not a great singer. You know, he walks away. And you don't end up working with Michael Jackson. You don't end up working with Tina Turner. You know, that's like a pivotal moment. But that happens for everybody, right? That happens for everyone. Well, Um, what I say is a no is a dead end. A yes leads to possibility. So why would you say no when, okay, if you don't, if it doesn't work out, it was just another lesson. It didn't work out, but you learned something. And that, like you say, later down the line, can lead to incredible things. You just got to say yes. It's life affirming. That's all there is to it. And it's, I think it's people's fear of failure and yeah. of success yeah. that, that stop them. But that's rooted in early childhood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, saying yes opens the door. We totally agree on that 100%. And I have to ask, you know, working with Michael Jackson, what was he like? Well, it wasn't in Michael in particular who I worked with. He, his piano player, lived down the street from me, and yeah. I worked directly with him and Rod Temperton, who was the musical arranger for Quincy Jones. And so what happened was they cut the song, and I didn't actually get to work with Michael. I got to, but I got the recording and I was told that I, that I, this is a terrible story. I got a call from Rod Temperton saying, you've got the first single. You got the first single on this record. We love it. It's going to be great. And so I then got a call from the music publisher, um, from Warner brothers saying, you know, you are the only song that we don't own the rights to on the publishing. We need to, we need to get that. And I called Terry and I said, you know, they want our publishing. He said, we can't give that up. We can't because we'll set a precedent. And then every other company will know about it. It's just, it's the kiss of death. So I went back to Warner brothers. I said, it's not going to happen. I can't, you know, we can't do this. And I'm thinking I'm in my back pocket here. I know I've got the first single. (laughs) I've got the first single. Two weeks later, the record came out and we weren't on it. And, And Michael went away and wrote, beat it. (laughs) <laughs> That's what he knocked us off with. So yeah. I went into therapy for 10 years. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the recording is still there is one of those tracks. And somehow mm-hmm. somebody got a hold of it and they, they went in to, into the vault and they have like, they got like letting, not good recordings of the, the songs that are, that, that are still on hold there. And they put videos to them and everything. And it's nasty what they did, but yeah, it's out there. It's interesting. I did an interview with uh, random, a uh, random, random little fact on which really relates to the story with Vanilla Rice when I was in America, when I was in Florida. Mm-hmm. And he said the same thing that he fought for the publishing rights um, to his song and it has made him wealthy, you know. But they did go ahead with the song, but he literally wouldn't give away the publishing rights. He made money yeah. on it every year forever. Yeah, and now it's a different world. Now they do what's called a 360 deal, meaning they want everything, all of it. And see, that's another reason why the business that I'm in now, social marketing, is such a big deal. Because if you think of the music business as like a sandwich, and you think of like performances as bread, and the bottom bread is airplay, 
And in the middle, the meat in the sandwich was record sales. There's no such thing anymore. So the meat fell out of the sandwich, meaning there's no way to make a real living. Now nobody can even tour. So people in, in that industry are struggling and it's just the world has changed because music is free now basically and when I was in it it was the best time and I made a great living at it and uh, but I hated the business to be honest with you I love the creativity and I'm actually writing a musical now there's an actress very famous actress I you're too young to know her but her name is Diane Cannon and she was married to a wonderful actor named Carrie Grant and she and she wrote a book about their life together called dear carrie and it went to the um went to number one on the new york times bestseller list and we're writing her life story uh as a musical and we've been doing that for a long time and now the pandemic we were all set to go and now the pandemic i don't want to say that word it's a bad word (laughs) But life has thrown a curve. And so now we're refiguring it. But the music is just great. And what the fun part about doing something like that, the challenge of it, is that in a song that you write for the radio, it has to be in a certain structure. And it has to fit in within three minutes. And it's it's a very structured thing. When you're writing for something creative like a musical, there are no boundaries. And you're free to really be expressive and to be creative and do all the things that are so wonderful. I remember when I decided to get out of the the music business, the reason I decided to get out in the end was, A, I got got pregnant and had a baby. And I thought, that's it. I want to spend time doing this. But the other thing was I was starting to feel kind of like a prostitute in the sense that I wasn't speaking my own voice anymore. It was like, gee, what would Olivia want to sing? Gee, what would Tina sing? And I'm so I'm trying to predict what I'm going to write for someone else. And I got lost. I didn't have a voice anymore. It was all about trying to please someone and manipulate somebody to want my song. And I didn't like that. I didn't want to be that person. Yeah. I wanted to be authentic and have my own voice. And I actually forgot what it sounded like. And I couldn't duplicate it anymore. That's why doing this has been really freeing and wonderful for me because I'm feeling all that creativity again. It's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so you got nominated for a Grammy for Tina Turner's uh, song. What about that? Well, how did that go? Well, that was on the album. So I got nominated for the album. It was the What's Love that got nominated for the one, the Grammy. I was on the album, but that year Bruce Springsteen won. Oh, so we didn't win, but it was just a thrill. What song did you write? I wrote uh, Show Some Respect. It was the fifth single here. Ah, Show Some Respect. (laughs) I went to Madison Square Garden when Mm. she did it in her tour, and I was there for her 50th birthday. And it was just such a thrill to be in that arena and see her bound out on that stage singing my song. It was really... Yeah, I, bet it's awesome. I, will ask, I think it's interesting, right? Because writing, you know, whether it's songwriting or actual writing, is that requires that concentration and that focus, doesn't it? You know, yeah. how did you, what were the sort of things that you used to do to get yourself concentrated and focused to sit down and write a song? Did that come easy to you? Did it come from sort of from the heart and easy? Or was that something really difficult and something they had to concentrate on for a long time? You know, every time you sit down and write something, it firstly, it doesn't come from you. It comes through you. And I can't tell you the 
countless, I don't know how many times I, I would go into my studio and I was so disciplined. That's why I've been really good in being my own boss. I've never had a job ever. And I was so disciplined. I would go in there and I would sit down and I'd sit at the keyboard. And sometimes I'd be there for like 18 hours and nothing would come out. I would pry and, and nothing, nothing, nothing. And I would go back the next day and nothing and go back the next week and the next month and, and nothing. And <laughs> it was just a discipline. I remember Terry and I, we took nine years to finish one song that we wrote. Nine years. And yet other songs, I remember once I, cause I'm from Florida. I know you just mentioned Florida and I'm from Florida and mm-hmm. I was out on the beach one morning, early in the morning, I was running on the sand and all of a sudden this song just came from nowhere and I'm out on the beach. I don't have a pen. I, I don't even think I had, I had nothing with me. And not only did I get the music, but I got the lyrics, the whole song just came and there are moments that happen like that. They're not very often, but when they do, they're magic. And so every time it was different, but the one thing that was constant was my discipline, my consistency. And that's what has paid off in my life and everything that I've done. If I say I'm going to do it, honestly, I am a broad strokes person. I don't like the little details. I hate that stuff, but I've had to really hold my feet to the fire and learn that, you know, you can change how you are. Your brain can change if you really want to change it. And if you're looking to grow and expand, that requires work. And I was always willing to do the work. Yeah. I think, I think it's a really good principle that people should adhere to. You know, for years and years and years, I've always said to myself, I say I'm going to do it, I'll do it. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Even if I don't want to do it, if, if I say I'm going to do something, I hate not to do it. Like, literally, it really takes a lot for me to cancel anything, right? It takes a tremendous amount for me to cancel anything. And right. I think that's a really good principle that if you do that, you know, you're reliable, you're focused, you're disciplined. And I think a lot of that is about controlling your mind. And if you start to control your mind in a way that you follow through on what you say you're going to do, you can achieve so much more success, so much quicker. Well, you know, you know here's the other thing. When uh, I think people are impatient especially in this world. And the, the idea of it might take some time to convert to what it is you want, you have to be willing to be patient and know that the law of averages are eventually something is going to pop. My mother used to say, Susie, if you fish long enough, you'll catch a fish. And that's the, that's the truth. If you just keep going, you can't quit because you might be this close to payday and you'll never know if you put down the pickaxe. So you just have to keep digging and eventually you'll hit gold. That's just the principle that I live by. Oh, I love it. I love your mum's quote. If you think that's, that's, you know, that's a, well, it's absolutely true, isn't it? You know, absolutely 100% true. And people do. <laughs> okay. So amazing music, Craig. Um, there's some really cool things. And then you've moved on, and we had a good chat. You've moved on to, to working in a social market where you yeah. use social media to build your team and go out there, and you've hit the heights in it, right? So you've yeah. hit the heights of a million-dollar all-star, which is over a million dollars a month in sales in, in your business, which is incredible, right? I mean, that is incredible. And what I love is you said that, you know, that is an industry, which I totally agree. You say, like, 99% don't get to where they want to get to, but the 1% really do. Now, 
how did you get to become that 1% uh, Sue? You know, what is it that you needed to do? Why don't you just, could you tell us about your journey? You know, like, yeah, you said, I will. I'll tell you. Know, you got into, you were skeptical. Totally. And, totally. and you got involved in this business. And uh, let's, let's talk about the It'd be really interesting to hear your journey, I think. And, 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 and this is a lot of people, a lot of people watching. We have some super successful people watching. I see some people on our clients that are creating great results in their own businesses. We have some people that are starting out, some people at the beginning. And I think it's really inspiring for people to know you know, the the kind of lumps and bumps along the road. It's actually a massive achievement, really, to get there. So you should be, I'm sure you're super proud. You don't need to do that, but, you know, it's really cool. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm very grateful. It takes a village to do anything, especially in this profession. You don't do this alone. Songwriting, I could go in and I could do it alone. This you can. And I think I told you when we were talking earlier that the one thing about I think the corporate world and any kind of business, like the music business certainly was anything to do with show business. You, the younger you are, the like better it is. Right. And mm. the older you get the, like the, the jobs start to disappear. The, you, you know, they want to young you, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, we want a young Sue or a young Jennifer Aniston, but she's, yeah. It was the bomb, you know? So I think that when we are in that kind of a world, we're always looking over our shoulder and worried, fearful that something's going to be taken away from us, that we are getting too old or we didn't do the best job ever, or we don't look the part or whatever it might be. And so everything is a threat. And when you find yourself in something like what I do now, uh, which we call social marketing, and we build a, a business based on word of mouth recommendation. I mean, is there anything better than what somebody you know and trust tells you about? You're going to listen to that more than you will somebody who's been paid a fortune to endorse a product. I certainly listen to people I know and trust. So basically, I realized that I was no longer being threatened by anybody, that the very kind of people I was afraid of before were now people I was, I was looking for because I realized that if I helped them, it helped me, it helped other people and we all help each other. And so therefore you are, you find yourself in a flourishing, uh, thriving, supportive environment. I had never experienced that in my life until I got into this kind of business. So basically what you're trying to do is flip everything on its head. And what's happened in the world is there's been a transition of wealth. It always used to be the big guy, the top of the company, the CEO. He had that job. He was the guy who was going to get paid the big bucks and everybody else worked for him. And he leveraged off of everybody else's time and energy and got paid all that money. And you're down there at the bottom. You're never going to get that job. My goal and what I do is to flip that on its head and show everybody how to become the CEO of their own company. How do you become, how do you have business ownership and an asset that you can will to a child, a spouse, philanthropic organization, but basically it's based on your own efforts and that, and showing other people how to follow a map. It's like a blueprint that if you show people how to do that and they are consistent 
and they don't try and reinvent the wheel, they have as much of an opportunity to be successful as you had. So we all come in exactly the same way. I didn't know anything about what I was, was going to endeavor. What made you get involved in the first place? Did a friend of yours introduce you to it? Well, how did that yes, go? and I told her I'd rather die because <laughs> <laughs> I was such a skeptic. I, you know, here's the other thing. We always believe this, the, the stuff we hear, you know, oh, so-and-so said it's not, this isn't real. So-and-so, because we know and trust people. Well, everybody told me that this kind of an industry was like, oh, this is not good. This is, so I believe that without doing my own research. Without doing my own research, I just believe what I heard. That is the kiss of death. You have to, you have to do your own research. And yes, it may come out that that person was absolutely right, and it may come out that they were not. Yeah. And in my case, they were not. And it took me a year to come around. And to be honest with you, the reason I finally said yes was because. I had been a stay-at-home mom for 17 years, and at that time, I was 58 years old, and my son had turned 17, and he was driving, and I became redundant. I had no purpose. I was just like, I didn't want to be a lady who lunched. I had become an instrument-rated pilot, which took me two years, two and a half years to get that rating. But I wasn't going to become a commercial pilot and go fly people around. And I wanted airplanes as well, so. Yes, I had my own airplane and had some pretty close calls. I had some great reform in that inspiring, you know. It was scary, but I did it. I learned how to swim as I was drowning in the airplane. Anyway, I've done all these things, but now I wanted to contribute to the family income. And I was, as my son told me, mom, you're a dinosaur now in the music business. You're a fossil. And he said, you're too old. And he was right. He was right. And so I thought, well, what am I going to do? How can I contribute like in a really big way? Because here's the truth. We spent a lot of money. I was married and we had a lot of expenses, big, 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 big ones, big money, big expenses. <laughs> if you're making, a, let's just give you an example. If you're making a million dollars and you spend a million and one, you're, you got, you need more money, right? So I thought, well, how do I go back and become viable in a way that there's no expiration date on my forehead? Nobody's going to be my boss. I have an opportunity to roll up my sleeves and work really hard and learn something new and inspire people. Okay, this sounds like it. And so I finally, after a year, I jumped in. The minute I started, I had regret, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Because as soon as I got started, my former music publisher who we were now, she was a dinosaur too, right? We were both too old to be in the business. I called her, I said, "You, we're going to do this together. She said, what is it? I said, I don't know, but we're going to do it. We're going to have the best time and we're going to be as successful in this as we were in music. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. And yeah, so I, you know, here's the thing. I have found in my life, in my long life that I've been blessed to have, that people are buying you. Hundred percent. Buying you. It doesn't matter what your product is. It doesn't matter what you. Doesn't matter if they trust you. 
and you show up and say, I'm locking arms with you. I'm going to do this with you. I will not drop you. I learned another lesson. I learned that in my lifetime, I don't want anybody in my life. I can't climb a mountain with because I won't drop anybody. And I don't want anybody who would drop me. Yeah. So it is really important to evaluate any relationship. It has to be an equal commitment because you got to lock arms and you got to stay stuck, glued together. And so that's how I built my business. I was very um, strategic. I didn't want everybody in my business. I wanted people I trusted, I respected, wanted to have fun with, go on vacation with. Yeah. How did you establish who those people were to lock arms with? with? You said you don't want people that won't climb the mountain with you, but how does somebody go out there and assess that? I mean, think about it. You don't want anybody who continually forgets to call you back. You don't want somebody who is not of their word. Somebody who's kind of like the only word I can think of off the top of my head is flaky. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You want somebody, see, I want to show other people how to be more successful than I am. And in order to do that, I know how to read that, that vibe. I'm not just going to people, oh, let's do this. Let's do this. I evaluate them. I build a relationship first. Okay. So the relationship is the pivotal thing. Everything we do in life requires relationship. So in my business, it's something that I talk about nonstop, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, The power of relationship capital. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't have a solid relationship, you cannot, certainly you can't build a business with somebody. So it takes, and then you got to realize that if somebody's not matching your energy, you need to let them go and you need to love them right where they're at, respect their decision not to give it everything they've got. Because a lot of people say, I really want to be successful. I really want this, but they really don't. They say it. But they're not willing to give some, you're, to, you're giving some dropping some real knowledge bombs here, you know. Yeah, um, yeah that go outside your own industry as well. That go into multiple industries. You know, this goes in any part of business, right? Uh, well, true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And at the bottom, all that you see, what I've really honed it down and honed it down. And I think that I, what I've gotten to is that a lot of people say they want stuff. A lot of people say they, you know, they dream of certain things. But at the very bottom of that, there's a belief that they don't deserve to have it. Yeah. If they can do all the work in the world and they can spin their wheels like crazy, work hard, 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 and even accomplish things. But if they don't believe they deserve to keep it, they'll yeah. lose it. Is it like water? It finds its own level. We can only have what our belief is that we deserve to keep. So no matter how much, it's like a thermostat. Yeah. 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 Yes. We set the thermostat with something that's totally unconscious. So that's where, you know, you've got to be willing to put work into yourself. Really interesting concept that you've just said that, you know, I've, I've, I've heard that concept many, many years ago, actually from Paul McKenna. Okay. So Paul McKenna. I know him. I know Paul. Yeah. So he talks about a thermostat and you having a wealth thermostat, i.e. your wealth thermostat. If you start to earn too much money, 
and you build yourself up here and you don't feel like you deserve it, you're going to self-sabotage to bring yourself down, right? Exactly. You know, it talks about it in a lot in a big way. And I think that that is such an interesting concept because many people won't know they had it, right? So I would like to say, you know, I'll ask a different question and say, if somebody has got that in place, what would your advice be to someone of removing that cap, like taking the barriers and the limits away from them? Now, how does somebody say to themselves, right, I'm going to go past what I think I'm capable of. I've got an idea of what I think. I'd love to hear what you think. Well, I think there's a system for it. Yeah. And I think what I, I'll tell you what I do, what I've done in my life. Okay. So I'll take like a three by five card and I will write an affirmation. Well, you know, they say, you know, I dream of this. Oh, my dreams. Dreams are just very nebulous. They're out there. You can never reach a dream. You can reach a goal. A goal is a dream with a deadline. And so what I do is I'll take a dream, right? Like, oh, I want this house on an island. Okay. Let's just use that as an example. And then what I do is I write on the card in as though it's already happened. And I write it in action words that actually, now I, I've, I've studied the science of the brain. I got a certificate of neuroplasticity years ago at the Pacific Institute, which started doing this kind of research about 50 years ago. And there were people there from NASA and from Boeing and all these different companies learning about neuroplasticity and how to stretch what you think, you know, what your own parameters are. This, yeah. like a rubber band, rubber band is only good if it stretches. What yeah. that's the purpose. And so we need to stretch if we're going to grow into who we're going to become, because we can't, if we don't stretch, what I learned was that the mind is like, there's just millions of synapses every second going off like, like that. If you can find a way to attach a feeling to what you want and put it in terms of like, it's happening to you now instead of in the future. I don't know how it works. I just know it does. I, you know, It's yeah. just the way it works. And so that's what so many things have happened in the world is that people have found a way to attach this deep emotion to a, to a burning desire. Yeah. So what I do is I'll write, I am so excited to be living in my little white 800 square foot beach house on, on whale key in the middle of the Barry islands. And every time I wake up in the morning, I'm ecstatically happy. Now, what I do is I look at that and I close my eyes and I feel it right now. Okay. And then what I do after I write that down, I turn the card over and then I make a little comment. I go, I accomplish my goals and I sign it. I make a contract with myself. And I also put, I accomplished my, my goals by such and such a date. So that tells me that I've just told my brain it has to go to work and I'm not going to tell it how to do it. The brain is a thing called teleological. And teleological means it's like a heat seeking missile. When you say you want something to happen, you are going to get up and go to the refrigerator. You are making the action happen because you had a desire to do it. And you you go, I'm thirsty and I need water and you feel it. Right. So it's no different to a heat seeking missile. You establish this mantra of what it is you're creating. You don't question it. You don't ever doubt it because then you, it fizzles out. The doubt is what kills it. So you've got, even without the evidence, 
You yeah. must continue to it's see it in successful people, I've seen it so many times. This is how oh, successful yeah. people think. You know, anyone that wants to create more success has got to start to, you know, take that on board and have that have that belief, you know. You've got to take action. If you just sit there and expect it to fall out of the sky, it won't. Yeah, of course. So with all of that, you have to take the action that's commensurate with the desire you have. So it's like it's called the cycle of belief. And it's a, it is, it's a circle. You know, you you will only take as much action as you believe in your uh, the possibilities, and then that action will lead to results. And if the results are good, you'll continue that cycle. But if it, your desire and your results are, if they're not good, if they don't meet up with your commitment, it starts to create a spiral of lack of belief and like, and then you give up. So you have to always just, in, in, in spite of not having any evidence in the now, you have to really fight that. So many people think that because they can't see it, they can't tap into that vision. So many people can't tap into that vision. They just tapped into that vision and believed in themselves. You know, they could start to create those results so much quicker. And I think that, you know, what you're saying here is, is some really great advice and practical things that people can do. You know, well, I have one more thing, one yeah. more thing that I think is important because what happens is we don't know what we believe. And one of the things that I always do is like, I'll take a, a piece of paper like this and I'll draw a line down the middle of the page. Yeah. And on the left, I will make a statement about something that I want or who I am. And then I wait to hear that little, yeah, you're not, you're not, no, you can't. And I write it down, write the, and I start having a dialogue with myself. Well, your mother said you couldn't do this. And don't you remember that teacher and, uh, you know, told you, you couldn't add, you couldn't add two and two. That's why you're so rotten at math. And then you have, but you go, but wait a minute. I can do this. I am good. Well, who says? And you have this conversation and it may take you an entire book to write it out, but you don't stop having the dialogue till you win the conversation with that negative voice in your head. And if you then <laughs> all that negative stuff and you burn it, and then you are only left with all the good things you said about yourself. And that reinforces your belief that you are competent, that you're capable, that you can have it, that you deserve it. And truly, you're just really evaporating all that other stuff that other people told you that may have hurt you deeply and scarred you and left you believing that you don't have what it takes when you really do. I love that. Just for the audience, in, in case you didn't get that, because that was quick. That was a really, 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 really good bit of advice. You know, um, what Sue was just saying there is about the dialogue that goes on in people's head. Actually, draw a line of paper, draw it down the middle, and write down the dialogue, and actually win the argument. Yeah, such a real practical, sensible, logical way to you know ch change someone's mindset. I actually yeah. love that. It works. Advice, you know. Where did you learn that? Is it something that you picked up along the way, or is that something I, I created that? And you cry, oh, there we go. We've got, to, uh, we've got to make sure. That was we, part of my book when I did the goal-setting book, The Life Board. That was, oh, that was part of the goal-setting book. Yes, why don't we mention that now? Um, it's out of print now. In fact, I'll show you here. It was published by a company called Chronicle Books. Yeah. And it went to number one on Amazon's Movers and Shakers. And it's a goal-setting system. But I bought it back. 
And so I'm re repurposing the book and I'm really going to be redesigning it with my collaborators. So it's not available for purchase now, but hopefully it will be again. It's a real, sounds awesome. Sounds, it really, is. sounds really, it's really a, a vision board. It's basically, yeah. you know, again, it's using your eyes, using your ears, using all the senses that we have. What's funny is when you tell someone you can't have something, everybody wants it because now everyone's right. coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I want a copy of the book. I'm thinking, Sue, we'll have to find out how you're going to send me one of these. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, awesome. Sounds like a great book, you know, really, really good. Really, Thank you. Really good advice. So in terms of building this business, when you went into it and you got to this million dollars a month, all-star status, uh, actually Kaylee, um, who's one of our clients, has just said, I've been network marketing for over a year. I've hit over 2K consistently since October. I'm super determined to succeed. I'm loving this, Sue. I want to leave work and build my business, even set the deadline, which is awesome. You know, I've seen some of the stuff Kaylee does. She seems like a really smart girl. What advice would you give Kaylee in network marketing, being that she's, uh, you know, in the industry? Well, what I would say is congratulations, because you obviously have taken the road less traveled, but more and more people are joining you on that road. I think it's something like 100,000 people a week are joining the ranks of social selling and a direct recommendation for products. And what I would say is don't quit your day job yet. Don't quit your day job until you are ready to replace that income and be patient be very patient because, you know, I know somebody in, uh, in my company who is wildly successful and she couldn't find anybody to join her in her business to build, cause this is a network. We're building a network today in this world. Your network is your net wealth. The more people you have in your life, the richer and bigger you are and your business can be. So for the first year and a half, I think it was 154 people said no to her, but she knew that the odds were somebody was going to say yes. It was inevitable. So she realized every time somebody said no, she was getting closer to a yes. So she was patient. So I think you also, we have a lot of rejection in this business. People don't understand it. And one of my goals is to educate people. They do understand what it is today and how regulated it is as an industry and how, what common sense it makes to be able to, to stop buying from another company's market share, like let's say Boots Chemist, and you're buying from Boots and Boots makes all the money and they go on vacations with their families. Why would you do that if you can buy a product that is better than anything you can find in a store because it has to be to have word of mouth recommendation and be able to get paid from the company a thank you, a small thank you for a purchase that happens as a result of your recommendation. That's what it is. I mean, if you're recommending movies and books and, you know, things like that, or restaurants, and somebody goes there and eats at a restaurant, they're not going to pay you a thank you for that person maybe spending 50 pounds there. But in this industry, we have companies, all kinds of companies that don't advertise. They're not sold in stores. You can't buy them anywhere except through a person who recommends the product. And as a result of that recommendation, the company pays you not the person. The person is buying from the company and the company gives you a, like a small thank you. And the larger your network becomes, of course, the larger your business can become, but it's, it's work. This is work. A lot of people don't know how to work for themselves. They're so used to being told to punch a clock 
when they go home, when they come, when they go on vacation, and they are lost when the responsibility is on themselves of, I have to get myself up. I have to get myself to work in my office. I have to make the call for me. It's so easy to make a call for somebody else. You're not personally feeling rejected when they say, no, I'm not interested in that service. I want to jump into, Sue, rejection. That's what I want to talk about um, because, you know, this crosses the borders of all business, right? And, you know, if you're going to grow a business, you're going to be successful in business, you need to be able to sell. You need to be able to get yourself out there. You need to be able to have conversations, right? You've mentioned rejection there several times and certainly in that industry, you know, people suffer a lot from it. What are your tools that you would say being some of the super positive and you've got loads of energy, right? What are your tools for overcoming rejection or not acknowledging rejection or dealing with rejection? What are your tools that you'd say? Because you've come up with some, I loved your, I love your previous talk. That was awesome. So what would you well, say? I would, I would say just get used to it. And eventually it's like, <laughs> looks back. go for no, see how many no's you can get in a row because you know, and then when you get a yes, you got to start all over again. So it's becoming impervious to you see people say don't it's not that they're saying no to you they're saying no to what they don't understand yeah. people say no to what they don't understand i did it i know and then i got really good at this and people still say no to me but i just feel sorry for them because I, you know i know what this is i've seen so many lives changed by this concept of ownership we're in the in the 21st century now We're in the information age. Everybody is shopping online. Everybody. Some people choose to build a business of their own with ownership that they work in their own hours. They leverage their time, which I can explain if that's something you want me to explain. But the thing is, we get afraid of people saying no, when the truth is people are just saying no to something. So again, as I was saying, if you're making phone calls for somebody else, and the person says no to that phone, you're not walking around way going, oh my God, I suck at this. You it's know, amazing, you know. So people feel more comfortable if they're getting rejected for someone else than themselves. Exactly. Crazy. I do actually think that's crazy. You it's know, true, but it's a great true. salesperson working for a company but can't be a great salesperson working for himself. Isn't that crazy? Well, and it boils down to I don't have the confidence to think yeah. I deserve this yeah. for me. I can do it for them and I'll get a paycheck. But if that paycheck goes away, you're toast. You don't have a backup plan. So like, for instance, so when you go to McDonald's and they ask you, do you want to supersize that? And you say, no, I'll just have the, okay, thank you. They're not going, oh my God, I can't sell McDonald's supersized hamburgers. They don't care. This next. So I go, next. (laughs) You don't like it? That's okay. Next. We take the super size, by the way. We don't. We have large over here. We don't have super size. Okay, well, we have super size, <laughs> but I don't eat meat, so I don't know. <laughs> but it's just the concept of why do we take it personally? You know, you all, there are nine billion people on this planet. You can find a few people who like. I see this. I think I can do this. Gee, I get to work my own hours. I get to choose the people I work with. I get to. I uh, have ownership. I have a tax write-off when I buy this stuff. I mean, why wouldn't you want to add this to your portfolio? You see, really wealthy people have more than one business. If you're relying on one check and that goes away, 
you're in trouble. So I say to people, have like an insurance policy. When I started my business, I had no idea how big it was going to get. I had no idea, but I just saw the sense in it. And I say like the biggest part of my business is actually in the UK. I have a huge network of people in my business in the United Kingdom. And before we didn't have this, when I started, we didn't have any kind of easy way to do this. I had to get on a plane and go. And I had to, I had to spend my own money with no evidence, but I had the vision. And sometimes you just have to believe in things you can't see. And I learned that in flying. Yeah, I did. I learned you can't see gravity, but it's there. You know, <laughs> you can't see aerodynamics, but it's there. And it's the aerodynamics that keep you from falling down with gravity. As long as you know how to manipulate the airplane and to find balance. And that's what we do when we are building other people, we can't push them into anything. You can't push people into anything. It's the relationship again. It's finding a way to communicate with somebody in a way that they hear you, not the way you want to be heard. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense to me. So what we do in the UK, so is we, we train business owners on social media, business growth, starting their own businesses, coaching businesses, and for the past five years. But I've been now interviewed so many people that have been really successful in their industries. Mm-hmm. And the same things in a different way, you know, get said time and time again, because the pattern to success and the pattern to growing a business and becoming successful, and making money isn't actually super complicated but you have to go through the fear barrier in order to get there, right? Okay. Everything you're talking about is is the fears that people have. You know, you understand at a deep level, just from hearing you talk, you know, what those fears are, right? And the people, if they want to succeed more, they've got to move past that fear, right, And in order to get the results they want to get. And it sounds like, you know, you, you totally understand that. And that's probably why you're doing so well, because the way you're explaining it, it's easy if you know it. But it's not easy if you don't know it, right? If you're somebody that isn't confident, that isn't used to putting themselves out there, that is struggling, you know, to say to someone, you just got to do it, it is they are stuck in that fear, aren't they? You know, so you've really got to, um, but like you said, the relationships, which is where you're going with the relationship piece is what I love, is because another great way to get somebody performing better, they can't see it sometimes, they can't have the vision, but when they see somebody else performing at a high level, and they get into a network or they get into a circle where they see other high performers, they sit there and go, well, if they can do it, I think I can do it. You know, and literally change their habits but as a human, you know, human habits, you know, based off of the tribe and the people they're around, you know, right. massive impact, absolutely, you know, in, in terms of their results. So, yeah, it makes sense. I'm loving it. You know, things great. You know, your enthusiasm for it is awesome. What are your plans? What's what's the plan moving forward, Sue? You know, what is well, it? The plan? I keep doing what I'm doing. I'm never going to quit. I'm a lifer because uh, I've, so li- I've seen so many lives changed. But now I'm at an age where I've realized, you know, there's more sand at the bottom of the hourglass than there is at the top in my case. And nobody knows how much sand is up there in the top of their hourglass. We've all got one, but we don't know how much is in there. And so the idea is to make the most of what's left. And one of the things that I have chosen to do is to show people that no matter how old they are, if you're lucky enough, you will get older. 
If you're not, it won't matter. <laughs> so, but if you are, we need to embrace and become fearless about growing older, about getting to that age where people say, like my son said, you're a dinosaur. That was a scary thing to know, but he was right. And I wasn't prepared for it. So what I'm trying to do is to show people that there is no expiration date on anybody's forehead, that you can be more successful now than you were in your big earning years. I certainly am. I'm, I mean, I made money and stuff in the music business. And I did great, but I have had a more successful career in my latter life than I did in my earlier life. Go figure. But yeah. it was because I didn't listen to other people. I decided to just go and figure this out. And then, um, you know, I want to show people that they are relevant because the, the world tells us the older you get, the less relevant you are. And that's a lie. That is a lie. And so my job is to wake people up and show them that they are, their best years are ahead of them. That is really the, the truth, unless you believe it isn't. So we yeah, have Paul, Paul has just commented saying, I love this. I'm getting older. Paul has just commented and said, I love this. I'm getting older and sometimes I worry I've left it too long. So what would you say to that? So start now. Start right now. Don't wait another second. Get it together. Go and do something that you would have done when you were 16. I feel like I'm 21. I'm going to be 72 in April. Okay. I'm proud of my age. I have friends that say, how dumb, why do you tell people you're amazing? Amazing. Yeah. I had my second 35th birthday two years ago. I have never felt younger. I have never felt more like I mattered more. I have never like actually been as comfortable in my skin as I am now, when things are starting to shift around a little bit, it's really okay. It's really okay. And I'm really kind of proud of it. And I'm yeah. learning Instagram and I'm learning all this stuff. I, I mean, I'm just like hungry, hungrier than oh, I've ever been. On Instagram. This is her Instagram. That's I, my I just put your Instagram up. Certainly follow Sue on there. I need the love. I mean, this is challenging, but I'm going, okay, well, if I can fly an airplane, I can do Instagram. Come on guys. So yeah. anyway, it's just, it's all in your head. It's just all in your head. You can, and, and if you, and I always say to people, well, gosh, you know, if you went out and you fell down on your head and you had, you had amnesia, you wouldn't know how old you were. You wouldn't know you couldn't do something or that somebody told you you were bad at math. You wouldn't know because you have amnesia. So then you have a chance to completely reinvent yourself. So that is how we have to look at life, have a sense of humor about it. We just take it all too seriously. I know because I, I have that tendency too, but every time I do, I get that rubber band and I snap it. I go, that was then. I don't do that anymore. And you've got to hold your feet to the fire. Be around people who want you to flourish. So many people are like waiting for you to fail. They're waiting for you to quit. They don't want you to leave their tribe because if you're better than they are, that means they're not as good as you. You got to let that go. Not that advice, you know, that's so true. So one people can learn that, you know. Yeah, you got one you. There's never been another one. There never will be. This is it. You are unique. And uh, don't let other people have a crystal ball for your life because they don't have one. Yeah, I love it.
fantastic advice absolutely brilliant actually really really inspiring your energy is phenomenal really phenomenal and you've got a lot of love being thrown out here tonight i can um, take it all yeah, you can take it all I couldn't believe it. When you told me you were 72 when we got on, I couldn't believe it either. I don't know how it happened so fast. Trust me. It's going <laughs> to happen fast. Get ready. Start yeah. getting ready now. <laughs> Get ready. Okay. Yeah. Diane and I were writing the play, you know, the musical, and her grandmother used to always come out and say, the cake is ready. And so the cake is always ready, meaning be here now. It's time now. Don't put it out there. Now is it. Everything you do now will change your future. 100%. Yeah, I love it. I love your energy. I love the philosophy. You know, we're certainly singing off the same hymn sheet on so many different things. Good. And, you know, totally, because, you know, it's all the sort of things that I would tell people as well. And, and I love that. And I love it. I love people to hear it from a different voice as well, because, um, you know, it kind of, compounds that so much more that people start to really listen and it embeds that repetition is beautiful right because it helps people doesn't it to get it but yeah look you've had an incredible career you've done incredible things in the business you know and i think it's a fabulous interview if you're listening on itunes of course go and subscribe we've got amazing like susan amazing guest is a brilliant podcast loved it tonight Make sure you go and subscribe and, and, and leave a review for us tonight. So we've got loads of great guests like Sue coming up. Uh, Sue's Instagram handle is, so spell it out for us. I am, I, letter I, letter M, Sue Cassidy. Go and follow uh, Sue. I would love to have you there. <laughs> I think you're doing some work on it, you know, you're getting it out there, right? Okay. Uh, go and follow Sue on Instagram, you know, for sure. You know, she can help you in so many ways, you know, especially if you're, if you're in that industry. We've got a lot of people that have been watching all the way through, which is awesome. So, you know, Sue, any last words that you wanted to add in tonight before we finish up? You've been incredible. Yes, I've really enjoyed it. I just think that how lucky we are that we have this, I mean, technology is our friend. When it's not, when it's not. But when it is, it is. And so how awesome that I can be here in California you're in England and we're doing this live. There's so much possibility. The world is pregnant with opportunity, <laughs> with incredible things. And sometimes it doesn't look that way, but it is. And so I just want to be around forever to kind of experience it all. It's like shoving all that food in your mouth. You just go, I want more. So I want to learn. I want to learn from you guys. I want to learn from everybody. And I, I think just have an open mind, have an open mind, an open heart, and less fear. If, if Just take a baby step, just a baby step. And if you can take another little baby step, you're making progress. And, um, and then don't, don't judge it. Don't judge yourself. Don't evaluate it. And don't ever, ever compare yourself to anyone else. There's not another you around, so don't. That's their journey, and uh, and without I'm just I'm I could talk about myself all day long. <laughs> I'll give you one little knowledge bomb. Correct early, because if you get off course, if you know where you want to go, and you end up like getting distracted, and you start to go off course, you could crash and burn, and never be able to get back to where you wanted to go, where you were intending to go. So unless you are choosing to go in a different direction and you want to go from A to B, you stay focused. And if you ever want to hear a story about when I didn't do that in an airplane, 
that's for a future episode. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Hey everybody, Adam here, and I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive Academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.